Welcome back. Sports Radio 94. WIP. Joe Giglio with you. Tucker Bagley's behind the glass. You guys with us. 215-592-9494. It's how you hop aboard on this Tuesday night as we get set for Super Bowl 57. Joining us right now on the guest line, Brad Spielberger, pro football focus. Talk about the matchup in this Eagles team. Brad, how you doing tonight? I'm doing well, Joe. How you doing? Brad, well, we're excited here in Philadelphia as the Eagles uh, punched their ticket to the Super Bowl and really just another dominating you know, performance. And this one obviously aided by the injury to Brock Purdy. But, Brad, how do you put in context the Eagles' run to the Super Bowl here? I mean, they're only, I think, the fifth team ever to win the conference championship and the division round by 21-plus points. I mean, we usually just don't see this where a team bulldozes both playoff games on the way to the Super Bowl appearance. Yeah, you know, like you said, obviously there were the injuries and the Niners didn't have a quarterback, but I still think the Eagles probably win that game by multiple scores uh, because really they, they were controlling the line of scrimmage against a team that that's their strength and, and that's what they do very well in San Francisco. You know, no one had been able to run the ball on this team. And look, the Eagles, you know, average a little bit under four yards per carry, but there were enough, you know, carries where they would get those six, seven chunk yard plays and get to the second level um, and really just, you know, move the defensive line. Um, it, it was a really impressive performance. And, yeah, obviously the Giants game was a blowout as well. So, you know, they're peaking at the right time, no question. Brad, they now enter the Super Bowl with more sacks than any team has ever entered the Super Bowl with. I mean, they, they've now passed the 85 Bears. How do you categorize this pass rush? You know, we, we, we know those all-time great defenses that we talk about, and, and I don't think this Eagles team – is on that level. I don't think of them as like the 85 Bears or, you know, the, the 2000 Ravens. They have had a couple games here, the Dallas game in December where they got they got beat up a little bit. But in terms of sacks, we've I mean, we've literally never seen this before. Yeah, you know, I think they are going to fundamentally change how teams view roster construction at this position. I think you and I have maybe spoke about this, but, you know, talking about the team they just played in, in San Francisco, not saying they shouldn't do this, but they're about to give Nick Bosa, you know, $30 million a year probably, whereas the Eagles have no one making, you know, more than half of that, right? You have Hassan Reddick at 15, Sweat at 14, you keep Brandon Graham around, you know, you bring in all these pieces on the interior and the exterior, and I do think more and more teams are going to realize, look, I mean, Josh Sweat played about 650 snaps. Uh, Reddick didn't play the full, you know, 1,000, played about 700. Obviously, Brandon Graham is, is a rotational guy. Like, I think going a platoon approach, at defensive line, because that's how they get the price flag. That's how you finish maybe some of these sacks. The other teams, they're getting pressure, but they can't bring guys down because they're playing, you know, 50, 60 snaps a game instead of 30, 40. And I think other teams might copycat that, especially if they do, you know, come out with the Lombardi Trophy. Brad, what did you make of the initial line uh, for the Super Bowl here? It opened up with the Chiefs as a favorite and very quickly flipped the other way. Now we're coming back a little bit, but, uh, you know, these bookmakers set the line and, and betters came in and said, no, the, we'll take the Eagles at plus points right now. Yeah, so that was really interesting. You know, obviously didn't cross the key number either way. So, you know, as you know, you know, getting to a field goal would be really meaningful to either side. And I would, I would be surprised if at any point this week or next week, it gets to a full field goal in either direction. But, you know, it's still interesting nonetheless to move that swiftly and that significantly in the Eagles' favor. I do think part of it is a reaction to the Chiefs' injuries we saw in their game against Cincinnati. Obviously, three wide receivers go out. Towards the end of the game, you see Mahomes limping a little bit on that ankle. Um, and I think it's the market has started to go back now. I saw it at one and a half last time I checked. You know, got out to two and a half in the Eagles' favor. Now Eagles minus one and a half. 
I think it'll settle right around there by kickoff of next Sunday, you know, barring some, some new news of some capacity. Brad, coaching on Sunday, um, Sirianni on one side, Shanahan on the other, and it was a big conversation here the, the last week, you know, coach of the year. Obviously, Shanahan was a finalist, Sirianni wasn't. And then, you know, one guy had his experience, the other guy didn't. So it was like, hmm, do the Eagles have an advantage this week? But when the game started, they did. I mean, I thought Sirianni, those two fourth downs were really pivotal early, kind of set the stage for the game. And, Brad, I still don't understand why Shanahan did not challenge that play. I know it's early. I know there was probably limited replay in that short time, but – I just when a receiver's standing up and telling his team to the rush to the line, it, it it feels like a tell. He he knows he didn't catch the ball. Yeah. So to the first point, and I think it's going to play into the Super Bowl as well. What I like to say is, I think Kyle Shanahan is probably the best Monday through Saturday coach in the NFL. But his entire tree, for whatever reason, I don't think it's taught in the Shanahan tree. But they're terrible with fourth down decisions. You know, with, with timeout and clock management. Sean McVay is pretty awful at it as well. Again, another guy who is elite elite from Monday to Saturday, but is just not good at the in-game decision-making component of head coaching. And Sirianni, maybe he's not quite, you know, the, the genius X's and O's guys as those guys. I think he is, you know, right up there in that conversation. But maybe you say, okay, he's a tick lower there, but he's going to add a ton of value. Look, that fourth and one on their own 34-yard line or 37-yard line, whatever it was, was a game-changing decision that none of those guys would ever dream of doing. And I don't think Andy Reid would either. Again, also maybe the greatest Monday to Saturday offensive coach of all time. So I think it's a factor that will be interesting coming into this game. If there are some edge cases there, can the Eagles gain, you know, some significant edge via the, you know, the aggressiveness, but also the savvy, you know, decision making from Nick Sirianni? Brad, some conjecture um, last day or so about you know, will the NFL, will there be a, a, a push to change the rule or, or review it? Do you think the uh, Eagles rugby push on the quarterback sneaks they do, do you think the NFL might look to change that, ban it? It, it almost feels like an unstoppable short yardage play they've created. It's interesting. I know that obviously the infamous the Reggie Bush, uh, you know, Matt Leinert push at USC, and so I don't think you can do it at, in college. Um, so it's obviously a rule that has been, you know, you know, looked at at other levels of football. My, my thing I come back to with any question like that is I think the NFL just wants to promote offense in any way they possibly can. So, you know, from that perspective, I would imagine they say, well, you know, figure out how to stop it. Uh, well, we're fine with it. I also do think, yeah, it's probably the most automatic play in football when you have maybe the best interior offensive line in the NFL and you then have a quarterback that can bench press, whatever, 700 pounds, I mean, uh, what 700 pounds or whatever it is, um, it then also becomes truly the most unstoppable play in all of football. Brad, let's look ahead here. Super Bowl 57, the Eagles and the Chiefs. You know, when, when I think about the Eagles this year, it, it, it's, it's a matter of how the game expresses itself. Sometimes they run it a lot, and they can run it very well, and, and they have 38 rushing touchdowns. They also, I think, led the NFL in yards per pass attempt, so they could throw it and be efficient that way too. I wonder how this game plays out because I could see a path to a shootout. If the Chiefs are moving the ball and the Eagles, the Eagles could throw with them. Um, but if the Eagles are up, they could also run. How do you expect the Eagles to attack the Chiefs here on Super Bowl Sunday? Yeah, so I, I do think game script, like you mentioned, is going to be huge. But I think even if they are down a little bit early, I, I think they are going to lean on and rely on their run game and really cycle through maybe not, you know, all three guys. I think Kenneth Gainwell is going to be very involved. I think we'll see some Boston Scott, obviously Miles Sanders, and I do think we're going to see more and more design rushes from Jalen Hurts as well. So, look, I mean, they're like I said, they're blowing the Niners off the line. A team that was second best in EPA per rush allowed on the season, 
and you look at a bunch of different metrics, allowed the fewest explosive rushes of any team in the NFL by a sizable margin, um, and it just did not matter. So, you know, I think there's an even, even bigger edge, of course, against Kansas City. I don't think they're going to go away from that, um, especially because also defensive coordinator for the Chiefs, Steve Spagnuolo, is very aggressive, likes to dial up exotic blitzes and do different things and, and have shifts and post-snaps. So he'll show a certain look pre-snap and then rotate post-snap and try to confuse the opposing quarterback and all these things. And I think sometimes the easiest recipe is just, hey, we're just going to pound the rock, and until you stop us, we're just going to keep you know picking up five, six yards of carry. Brad, what's your thought on the uh, matchup next weekend? Chiefs corners, very young group. They did a good job uh, this past Sunday against Joe Burrow and the and the Bengals, and uh, I thought that tip was a really, uh, really good play. You know, and and they had they lost Snead, so they got even younger back there. But they're up against a really good receiving core. You know, Devontae Smith and, and a really big AJ Brown. What do you think about that matchup? Uh, Eagles receivers, Chiefs corners. Yeah, they did all play really well, the young guys. But obviously, you also saw. The T. Higgins mossing in the corner of the end zone. Jamar Chase against double coverage, and neither defensive back turns their head around. I'm kind of an underthrown ball, frankly, but Jamar Chase is just the only guy who turned around to look at it, so he catches that ball right near the goal line as well. Um, you know, you mentioned the Brian Cook, their, their young safety, the second rounder. Uh, his tip to his teammate, I think that was an intentional tip to his teammate as well, a little bit of an assist on the interception. So, I think they're playing well. They're getting better as each week goes on. I think Joshua Williams was great. I think Duffy's great. You know, with Williams, uh, the fourth rounder, he's 6'3". So maybe you get him against A.J. Brown, a little bit more physical, um, and he can handle that matchup better. But that being said, uh, it is obviously a mismatch in the Eagles' favor. Um, You know, they just got to take advantage of it. Brad, let's end with this. Um, both quarterbacks are, are are banged up, and the two weeks hopefully will help them. Um, do you think we're headed towards a higher-scoring game, or do you think the defense, specifically the Eagles, could keep this lower-scoring? Because I could, I could see paths to both, but I also wouldn't surprise me if we got a 31-30 kind of game in Arizona. Yeah, there's always that possibility <laughs> with these two teams that it just turns into a shootout. Um, but I really do think the, the under is intriguing here. We talked about the opening spread – the opening total was also 51.5 at a lot of books and immediately got down to 49.5. So, you know, there clearly was some action. I think it's back to 50 now, depending on where you look. But nevertheless, I also do think there is a possibility of both teams running the ball a good amount if their quarterbacks are not 100% healthy because I think they both have an advantage running the ball in the opposing defense. We've seen Kansas City with Isaiah Pacheco, you know, trust him in important situations. And he runs physical, he runs angry, just gets downhill and churns those feet. So I, I lean under, um, but I'm very aware of, you know, the, the risk that they just turn into, uh, you know, some fireworks if things break a certain way. Yeah, it certainly could. Brad Spielberger, Spielberger Pro Football Focus. Brad, thank you, and uh, we'll catch up soon. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Have a good night. There he goes. Brad Spielberger, Pro Football Focus. So he mentioned there the under. He thinks more of a lower scoring game. Both teams could run the football. I mean, the Chiefs, they don't really run. Um I mean, would they have like 40 yards rushing last week? They didn't run it much at all against the Bengals. I mean, they, they put that game on Patrick Mahomes that you go win the game on one leg, and he did. So, I mean, the Chiefs are bad in the red zone defensively. They're bad on third down defensively. I believe the Eagles – and I'm expecting Jalen Hurts to be better throwing the football in the Super Bowl. I, I think – and we, I think we talked about this last week. I thought this past game would be the most difficult game physically for Jalen Hurts to play like himself. Just think about it for a second. He had the injury. He missed the, the time, right? Then he came back into the Giants, and it was his first game back, and he was kind of working the kinks out. Then he got two full weeks, and I thought he threw the ball pretty well against the Giants. 
And then this game, he only had the one week. I thought it affected the way he threw the football. Now this time he gets two weeks again. I, I think we get a better Hurts throwing performance. I, I, I thought this one physically with the sprain would be the most difficult one like to bounce back and play again. I think we're getting points here in this Super Bowl. I, I know this Eagles defense has been amazing, and maybe they just will hit and chase Mahomes around so much that it's they can't get going, but I don't know. Two teams that average 30 points a game almost feels to me like we're going to get some points in this game. So the, so I, I think it's interesting that Brad picks the under on the game. The other point about Shanahan, I still can't believe that the game's on again, NFL Network's showing it. I just They just showed the Devontae Smith catch or non-catch. I still can't believe he didn't challenge that play. That was fourth and three from what, like the 40-yard 40, 40 line around there? I mean, that, they have significant feels. It was a 34, 35. Okay. But Purdy's still in the game at this point. Correct. This not, is the for opening drive. Yeah, he he's not hurt yet. So they have significant field position if they win win it. And the Eagles are basically set up for an easy touchdown after the catch. Like it was it wasn't you know, sometimes challenges early in a game, it's like, are you really gonna challenge that on around the fifty yard line for a first down? Eh, it's not worth it. We we need to save that that challenge. Like this was a swing play before the game got out of hand and he just brushed it away. Yeah, I mean Doug Peterson was the king of meaningless challenges. Oh yeah. Remember like he Challenged the Nelson Aguilar catch that would have made it like second and nine. Against the Packers. and uh, I think it was Packers. Yeah, it, it was like a one-yard catch in the third quarter at midfield. It would have done absolutely nothing. But yeah. two things on that I thought were interesting. That catch was on the Eagles' sideline, right? So no 49ers personnel necessarily had a good look at it live. And if you go back and watch the TV broadcast and they see Devontae Smith jump up, they recognize it and they say maybe he didn't get in bounds. I wonder if that was the 49ers' thought. Right before they got that mm. that look that showed um, he, he didn't you know catch it and didn't control it to the ground, I wonder if Shanahan saw him pop up and said you know up to the booth was he in bounds? He got up quickly and they, they said, said yes. he was in by two yards and then they just kind of moved off it. Yeah, that that could have been. It's almost like happens in baseball sometimes where the the, the challenge or the. Like, it, it, did he catch the ball? Did he step on second base for the relay? Like, there's the multiple p- parts of the replay. Yeah, like, I wonder if they just focused on the wrong thing. Because that's what the broadcast did at first. The broadcast yeah. mentioned, was he out of bounds? They're hurrying up to the ball. And then they went to the quick replay and said, oh, no, he was in by three yards. So, that's certainly possible. I always do think, though, the player is the tell. And I'm not sure if Devontae Smith could have known if he was in bounds. Right? The way he fell, how quick. Like, there's no, um, like, the ground doesn't feel different. Like, in, yeah, there's no way he would know he, he hit the ground. Um, but he does know if he caught the ball or not. And when he stood up and was signaling to his teammates to get to the line, and again, that was a big play. So they had to, they had to, it was almost the way they were sprinting was like it was like late in the second quarter or fourth quarter and the clock is running out. Like they need to spike the ball. And I'm like, my first thought was he knows he didn't catch it. There's These guys lie all the time. They always pretend they catch the ball when they don't. So if he's acting like that, he knows he didn't catch the ball. Because I believe if he if he thought it was close, he wouldn't have said anything. He wouldn't have tipped the Niners off to, like, you know, challenge this play. If he thought it was even close, he just goes to the line like nothing happens. He knew 100%. He didn't catch that ball. It was very clear he was panicked. Yeah. I, I mean, he was signaling to them, get to the line. I, I just – it was a bad moment for Shanahan. And Shanahan's had a lot of these now. There, there's a – there's an element to Shanahan that it reminds me of a young Andy Reid, where he keeps winning. He looks at it as a coach of the year, an offensive guru, can win with any quarterback, wins with backups. But boy, it, 
He falls hard when he falls to Kyle Shannon, just like Andy did early in his career. I just think you have to be bold to win in playoff games, right? And we saw it with Doug in 2017, and Sirianni necessarily hasn't had to be that bold because they've just bullied right. teams the first two weeks. But going for it on fourth down in that situation was bold. Going for it on fourth down later in the second quarter uh, from your own 34, that was a bold move. Mm-hmm. I just don't think Shanahan has that in his genes, and my thought has always been he can make a bad quarterback or an average quarterback look good, look great in the regular season. And when it comes to the postseason, I think you have to put your players in position to win the games and trust them to go out and make plays. And he doesn't necessarily do that. I mean, he seemed really content to just turtle and hand the ball off to Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel at the end of the game when Brock Purdy couldn't throw. And instead of just doing anything, I mean, I don't care if you let Christian McCaffrey throw the ball 10 times and he gets picked off nine, at least you're trying something. Well, didn't, he, didn't McCaffrey throw for a touchdown in his first game with the Niners? He did. I'm not saying he could play the quarterback position, you know, full-time, but, you know, at least he has he has some skill in, in doing that. Um, by the way, as I rewatched the game, I wanted to make sure I brought this up, the ratings for these two games were enormous. So he, while Sean Marash was upset that some people in Philadelphia went out after the Eagles game, plenty of people stayed in. So I think it was $47 million watched Eagles-Niners, which is a really big number considering – if you didn't have a stake, and I would, I would guess, I don't know, half that number is, is the Bay Area or, or you know Philadelphia, Delaware Valley, but whatever. If you didn't have a stake, though, why would you stay with that game? It was over. It was a bad game if you weren't an Eagles fan. Right. But yet, I think we can admit that. Yeah, it was, it was terrible. 47 million people watched it, and then over 50, the 53, watched the AFC Championship game, which obviously had drama, and it was close, and all that kind of stuff, So, uh, and, and two big-time quarterbacks. So I'm not surprised about that, but... I, I'm just always blown away by the ratings of big-time NFL games. I mean, they just so far dwarf the biggest games in the other sports every single time. Like, I wonder how many people watch the World Series games. I, mean, I remember talking about it, but I don't remember off the top of my head. But, you know, 10 million? 12 million for the World Series? I, I would guess just the, the game five and six, probably four, five, and six. And and the NFC title game, which was a blowout, got forty seven million people. I mean, think about Thursday night football, which was a terrible product. That averaged something between like fourteen and sixteen million. Right. I mean, that was outdrawing the World Series on a weekly basis. Yeah, it's it's I mean, even the NBA Finals. I mean and, and the NBA Finals typically has star players, all time players, the Steph Curry's, LeBron James's, whoever. You know, and that you know, I, I guess at its height, that LeBron Warriors final got like 25 million. That was that was probably the highest rated game in, in a very long time, and that was a very special, like Brock Purdy and Josh Johnson flailing all over the field got 47 million people. It's like the NFL's popularity and how many people watch these games is enormous. And they'll set a new record two weeks from now. I forget it goes up every year. It's like what what are we at? Like 110 million that watched the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, I think between the draw power of Patrick Mahomes and the like ability of Jalen Hurts and the the fervor of the Eagles fan base, it should be a, a, a ridiculous number. Yeah, it just it just goes up every time, and it's and it's obviously an event and all that kind of stuff. And and I'm excited to be out there next week and doing the shows out there. I've never been to a Super Bowl. I've never been to the atmosphere of the whole week. I mean, I'm not I'm coming home for the game, but I'm I'm more excited for the atmosphere of the city and the week and just like everyone's there for the football game. That's crazy to me because when I was down in Houston for the World Series. It was more like I noticed there were a lot of people, like travelers, right? There was fans. people, And there from... were probably a lot of people there for the football game. Right. Of course, yeah. But, like, everyone, I, I would imagine, I, I don't know how many people come in for the Super Bowl, right? You have 70,000 fans. How many are local versus uh, non-local? I don't know. 
but I, I have to imagine so, like that whole city is going to be filled up with people there for the Super Bowl, media stuff. I mean, it, I'm sure it's going to be crazy. I'm excited for it. I'm excited to just take that in. Because when I was in Houston, like when I did the shows, I was just in a regular radio station. It didn't feel any different. Right. I was just in a in a building very in a much different like, building. Right. I was in a building very much like this, and it just happened to be in the city of Houston. And then I, you know, Did they have a view as beautiful as beautiful as ours. They did not. There, it was interesting. They uh, the building, uh, the Odyssey Station building in in Houston, where I did the shows on the two days I was there. It's almost like in a complex where there's apartments around it. Um, I guess townhouses, apartments. So a lot of people live there. I guess like it's because it's like an industrial complex. So there's buildings, people work, and they live. But the person who let me in, I think he like, I forget what his job was, but he let me in and he, I said I'd be there at like, I don't know, 2.30. And he's like, all right, I'll meet you there. And then he wasn't there when I, I, I got there. So I called him and I said, I'm here. You know, I'm ready whenever you get here. He was like, oh yeah, I'll be there in a second. And I watched him walk out of like where he lives. It was across <laughs> the street, which is, um, that I don't know how I feel about that. Would you want to live across the street from here? I do think it would be convenient and maybe in the past, when I worked part time, and you would get a call like, "Hey, can you be at work in right. twenty minutes?" But I don't know. I live about fifteen minutes away from work right now. I'm happy with that. I'm happy with that commute. Yeah, that's not bad. I just thought it was interesting. He walked out of his building, and I saw him as he walked out. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. All right, we come back. I want to play it for you, Angelo Cataldi with Nick Sirianni this morning. Nick's first appearance on WIP as the NFC champion. You hear from Nick Sirianni next on Sports Radio ninety four WIP. Welcome back. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Joe Giglio with you. Tucker Bagley is behind the glass. You guys with us. 215-592-9494. That's how you hop aboard on this Tuesday night. Jody Mack coming up at 10. We got a lot more to hit on, but I want to play this for you. First appearance for Nick Sirianni on WIP. He's becoming an NFC champion. Here he was this morning with Angelo Cataldi. All right, we are back as expected, and on the line with us is Super Bowl coach Nick Seriati. Nick, congratulations, man. Hey, thanks, Angelo. Uh, second year as an NFL head coach, Nick, and you're going to the Super Bowl. Describe what that feels like. Yeah, obviously this is a, a dream for, and I said to our guys, it's a dream for all of us, and you know, it may be a dream for all of us at a different points, like some of us who thought we might be basketball players or basketball coach or whatever it was right and so all of us it's a dream come true for all of us um you know whether you started dreaming about it when you were two four middle school high school when you got to the college or professional level this is a dream for every one of us and uh yeah, i'm looking really looking forward to it and uh looking forward to going out there and and uh bringing that trophy back to uh philadelphia nick you grew up in a football family what's the reaction to your father and your brothers yeah, that was that was pretty. You know, I'm up on the stage, and I was kind of looking for my family. And um, you know, when we were we were getting that, when we were getting the um, NFC Championship trophy, and just kind of locking eyes with those guys, uh, that was special. That, that those are the moments that choke you up. And then giving them a hug afterwards, and then taking the picture with you know, obviously my entire family, but then also with just my brothers and my dad. You know, I can't tell you how many pictures I have of myself. Um, and my brothers uh, with my dad, right, of, of, you know, after national championship games or after a big basketball game. It's, somehow it's always around a, uh, a, a sporting event. You know, I don't, I don't know how many Christmas pictures we have or Easter pictures we have, but I know we have a bunch of, of pictures of just us four after sporting events. So to do that, 
with that trophy, that was a special moment that we'll that we'll remember, and uh, hopefully we'll do that again here in a couple weeks. All right, I've been here to see a lot of coaches and managers, Nick, and I have never seen any who seem to take on the personality of our city the way you have. So I'm dying to know, have you become more like Philadelphians in the two years here, or were you always that way? Is this well, who you are? Uh, I think the best thing that anyone's ever said to me is no man suddenly becomes different than his cherished thoughts and habits. And so uh, I love this city. Uh, and, you know, and, and maybe the reason I love the city is because I've always, I've always been like this city and I just didn't know it uh, <laughs> until I got here because I think that's just always been who I, who I am. Um, and so uh, it's, I love the city and I love the, uh, the fans and the people in this city and the, and the hardworking part of this city it's you know so i think that's just always who i who i've been but you know when you integrate yourself in into a city like this you come a little bit more like it too so i'm gonna i'll say both and well it's a good answer and you really are bonding with the people here that often happens when you go to the super bowl your second year yeah they may have something to do with it <laughs> uh, nick I, uh, the catch a couple of plays happened in that game were fascinating Devontae catches the ball or so it appears but he signals to get back to line. Can you take us into the process you have coached these guys to do when it's kind of on the line, you're not sure that's a catch? You know, that, that's something that you practice all the time, right? You, you practice. Um, that's, that's a weekly thing that we practice. And, and if it happens in the NFL, you know, I think it happened uh, in the Giants-Vikings game a couple weeks ago. The Giants did something uh, similar. You, you show it to your team, and you show them, hey, this is this is what we practice, and there's how why it's important, there's how it comes up, and so you know, and and so we do that a lot. Um, we talk about situational football a lot, and that and and some people think that situational football is just third down, red zone, two minute backed up stuff like that, but it's all the situations that come up in the game, and that's a situation that that comes up in the game that you practice that you're ready for, and so. You know when when the when it go when when it's executed exactly how you you think it it it, it plays itself out or how you talk about it it's because you got smart players and Devontae is a smart player and he got up to the line of scrimmage and and uh, you know I, I tend to think you know you do this too when even when you caught it you do it anytime you feel like it's close and so you know where a team can't just uh, throw a challenge flag out of nowhere because we've done this about three or four times this year that were probably catches anyway. Um, and so you, you do that just because, I mean, really when we watched the TV copy of, of our game um, on Sunday, they got one look at it. You know, they, they got one look at it, and then next thing you know, we're back up on the ball and, and running a play. So great job by our players to just to get up there and, and, get it, and get it done. Started by Devontae, and then Jalen and Jason have to, have to orchestrate to get everybody set up to run the play. Um, and our guys did, did a great job that, you know, at the end of the day was the difference between a turnover and a touchdown. I mean, oh, those huge. are huge, those are huge, huge plays. Um, and we know in close games, um, which NFL is and playoffs are, you know, every point counts, every, every, every detail matters. And um, we're just obsessed with the details and our players are obsessed with the details and we got smart guys. It was tremendous. And then the next series, Nick, you're on the other end of it because Purdy, it looks like when he throws it, it's an incomplete pass. But you get information very quickly and challenge it, and it becomes a fumble. Um, are your guys seeing something before the people are watching it on TV? How did you know that was challengeable? 
You know, obviously, I'm getting great information from the from the press box, from the upstairs in the in the box, and, and they're telling me, "Hey, hold hold a second. And, and you know, San Francisco wasn't going fast, and, and and you wouldn't go fast in the sense of that because it was an incomplete pass, and and so we had a second to to really evaluate it. You know, I think I told everybody on the headset to shut up until, except for the one person upstairs I was talking to, because everyone had an opinion at that point, which I'm sure everybody on TV, everybody had an opinion there. But I wanted to make sure we had a little bit of time. So I got the good information from upstairs. I think our people in the, that run our video boards did a good job um, because I was not only able to get information. You know, sometimes you get that information blindly, right, because you don't get a chance to see it. But in this case, our guys in the stadium that, that show the replay, right, were showing it up on the board, and I got a chance to see it myself. So, you know, it was just a great team effort. Um, you know, hey, it's on, it's on, um, it's on the TV right now. That that exact play, what a play by us on, wasn't it? Oh, and he he's been amazing though. He's I, been amazing. Good nineteen Do you think? Do you think, do you think uh, Linvell scores on that one? And you see him pick up that ball and start he could around at three hundred and twenty pounds. But it, it's good, Nick, that he pounced on it. That you like. Hey. Let me make sure we have the ball if we win the challenge. Right. Another thing. Another thing we talk a lot about, and, and it happens because you got players that are that are highly detailed, and that's what Lindell did there. Yeah, absolutely. Redick, um, he's been amazing this season. Uh, were you surprised the Niners try to block him with a tight end, Nick? Um, you know. Hey, everybody's got different different thoughts there on on how they on how they protect the the quarterback and and sometimes on play action it, it slows down the rush in this particular case it didn't um, you know and you never know that was the back could the back have got called in protection um, from somewhere else was he supposed to be helping the tight end and then couldn't because something else happened or it took him off of it so. You know, usually with that, that's there's there's more to it than that, and and you just don't know. And so I'm not going to comment on that. But uh, it was a heck of a rush by by Hassan, and uh, it was a good matchup for us. Uh, on the other side of the ball, Nick, Kenny Gaywell, uh, we didn't. Wow, I mean, he's getting off the ball so fast. Can you talk about how he evolved in the two years you coached him? You know, he's always had this knack of making plays, and has he always had gotten all the opportunities? No, because. He's been our third down back and, and, you know, a second second or third guy at times. And so he doesn't, he, you know, but he always has taken advantage of his opportunities. I think he's just showing, you know, what we've seen all along. He's just shining in big moments. And that doesn't surprise us at all because, you know, I, mean, I know he had a bunch of touchdowns last year. He's got a great feel for the game, you know, and, and he was the guy that Howie and I had spent a lot of time talking about. Howie, I remember Howie watching him and then texting me. He's like, you got to watch this Memphis back. And I remember, I remember putting him on, and we just talked. Howie and I were talking back and forth because I know it was late one night in the off season, and I, we were just watching him at our houses while we were, I don't know, probably watching something on. I was probably watching something on TV with my wife as I was watching uh, Kenny Gainwell, and uh, and and we just kept going back and forth like, man, this guy is really, really special. Great balance, great feel, great vision. Um, really can catch the ball, and so that's kind of how that materialized, and then. You know, he, he had some – you always try to, hey, who is this like in, in some of our old offenses? And I think, you know, we, we did a like, – I didn't think he was completely like Naheem Hines because I thought he was a different type of runner than Naheem. And I really thought at the end of the day he was a little bit like uh, Danny Woodhead uh, when we had him with the Chargers who was really productive with us. And he's just showing that more and more. And Kenny's just been a really good 
a really good player. And it just shows you the the um, the um, the teamwork that happens between you know the coaching staff and the front office. Um, you know when you're talking about players because there's got to be a vision. You know, the, the front office has got to show us the, the guys that have talent, and then there's got to be a vision on the coaching staff of how it fits. I just think that that shows the, the good teamwork uh, by us, and, and then obviously uh, Kenny's playing at a very high level now, and this is when we need him to. Absolutely. Last thing, Nick. I got more out of you in 10 minutes than I got out of Reed. Andy Reid in 14 years, all right, just in this one interview. You're saying I talk too much? No, I'm saying you <laughs> share better than he did. I looked this up, Nick. You were like 17, maybe 18 when Reid was hired here. And now 24 years later, you face him in the Super Bowl. What are your feelings about that? You know, really, really, I, I, it's, it's, never about the, it's never about me and it's never about the, the coach that we're playing against. Am I honored to be it, – because it's all about our players and, and playing in this big, this big game and, and, and earning the right to play in the Super Bowl, which is pretty awesome. Um, am I honored to be coaching against a coach like, like Coach Reed? Of course. Uh, you know, he's, he's, he's one of the best coaches in the NFL and he's one of the best coaches in NFL history. And um, I'm honored to be, you know, coaching against them on in a couple Sundays from now. Um, but it, you know, there's I'm really looking forward to, you know, you know, getting there and and, and putting in the work this these next couple weeks to get ready uh, for this game of leaving no stone unturned and getting and uh, getting ready for this game just like we've gotten ready for the last shoot I don't even know how many games have we played at this point 19 games right we're on yeah. game 20. Yep. Um, and so just really looking forward to the challenge ahead. And, and, and working, you know, it's the last two weeks we get to work with this team and this staff, right? Everything changes. There's things that change. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enjoy, because I love this team and these guys so much, I'm going to enjoy every second of the next two weeks and work our butts off um, so we're ready uh, mentally, physically for this, for this next game um, in Arizona. We don't have to tell you, Nick, we are rooting real hard for you and the Eagles. Thank you, Nick. Hey, thanks, Angela. Take care. Nick Sirianni. And Nick was on the Chiefs staff when Reed came in and he let him go. I think that's my favorite little subplot of this. There's, I mean, obviously the Kelsey stuff, and that was a great spot with Angela with uh, with Nick Sirianni this morning. You know, the, the Kelsey stuff, the two brothers, you know, I, I believe both clear Hall of Famers. Howard still had some trepidation on uh, an anointing Travis Kelsey. I don't. It's a top five tight end yeah, all I, time. I, if you're retired tomorrow. And look, look at all his numbers postseason. They're all, Jerry Rice is the only one ahead of him. I think postseason touchdown catches and and receptions, which is is crazy because there have been. I guess that is a mark of of the Patriots always recycling. I'm trying to think of guys, you know, teams that have been in the postseason a lot. The Chiefs obviously have recently. The Patriots all those years, but you would have thought someone caught more of those passes from Brady, whether it be Dion Branch, whether it be Wes Welker. I guess none of them stayed there long enough. And then, you know, Gronk had his moments for a long time, but he also had, was banged up at times. So I just was surprised that Kelsey was that high up the list. It doesn't feel like the Chiefs' run's been going a while, but there was also playoff games he played in before Mahomes. Yeah, I mean, he was drafted in 2015? I think 13. Or 13? I mean, that's a decade, and Andy Reid's won like seven or eight straight AFC West at this point. Right. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I, it's like you realize he's been in the playoffs a lot. It's just, man... That is an enormous amount of, 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 of 
playoff uh, catches by him. So Kelsey and Kelsey's a major storyline. Andy Reid against the Eagles, major storyline. But I love the fact that Andy Reid let Nick Sirianni go when he first got to Kansas City. It, it is really a wild storyline when you think about it. And I don't want to make it out to be the you fire the guy cold. Like, this happens all the time when a new staff comes in. You bring in your own guys. I don't think it was probably any ill will. But still, like, he could have retained Nick Sirianni. And that happens once in a while, right? Um, Doug retains Statland. This is, I mean, it happens. I mean, you, you pick a couple coaches that you've heard some good things about. You say you want to stay, and then you kind of create a new relationship with that that person. Um, we, As we talked about last night, it was David Culley, right? He had to bring in David Culley? Yeah, he brought in his own guy. I mean, David Culley, I think, was also assistant head coach. So it was, there was more to his draw. Yeah, I mean, I, like it happens, but it's just like – that guy's why you didn't stay in Kansas City, and you moved on and you became your own coach. 215-592-9494. Doug is in Connecticut. Hey, Doug. Hey, what's going on? Sorry about that. Um, I told you it wasn't going to – that two, 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 two and a half point spread, that wasn't right. You were spot on. I mean, it wasn't even close. I'm not usually right. But uh, I just wanted to call in um, Kenneth Gainwell. We haven't talked enough about about him. I mean – his catches were huge. I hope he can be that that safety blanket uh, during blitzes in the Super Bowl. I hope he keeps it rolling. I hope Steichen keeps it rolling. It feels like they're in a groove. I don't think we're going to lose. Um, if I have one worry is, and I don't think it's going to happen, but what happens if we get down early? I don't want Steichen to do anything different. Just keep it going before the 49ers game started all i kept thinking was like let's take their heart let's run it down their throats and it wasn't easy but they kept trying they kept trying and that's what we did i mean hassan reddick's unbelievable and you should have a jersey and it should be his jersey and you know um what a year it really it snuck up on me that they they could be the best we've ever seen and it really just kind of snuck up on me 2017 I think it snuck just... up on all of us Doug I mean you know even those of us that thought this team could be really good like you know I don't think anyone would have pro- projected or predicted like we, like we could even have a conversation like imagine if I said to you in August Doug I, here's how good I think the Eagles are gonna be I think we're gonna have a conversation that they're an all-time great NFL team in February you would have said like what <laughs> that yeah. that seems crazy it's crazy I really wish we could have played the Chiefs a couple nights ago it looks like he Mahomes drops back and he just oh, the same thing over and over a lot of the time. He just climbs the pocket, and if we could just rally to that point and just smash him, um, I, I can't wait for the Super Bowl. I'll call you guys next week and let everyone keep believing. Everyone just let's bring it. Let's get another one. I want to get on that. I want to get on that multi you know Super Bowl list. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to have one no more. Um, and this is great. I'll call you next week. You got it, Doug. Appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, it, it changes the, the way the franchise is viewed. You notice, I noticed Mahomes did something a lot on on Sunday, and I think he does it a lot, and I don't know why teams fall for it. You notice Mahomes, when he climbs the pocket, he almost, he almost looks the linebackers in the eye as if he's going to run at them, like he's going to scramble. And then they take one step up, and it creates a little opening behind them for Kelsey to just sit in. Like, I know he ran at the end. I understand he ran at the end to help them, and he got pushed out of bounds, and it helped facilitate the field goal. But he's on one leg. He's probably not going to run. It must just be instinct. Like, if you're a linebacker or a safety in the middle of the field, 15 yards away, 10 yards away, and he takes off past the 
the back of the pocket. So he starts moving towards the line of scrimmage. You come up. But you notice that he runs up two steps, he stops, and Travis Kelsey just sits down and he throws it to him over and over. Yeah, and I'm sure it's instinct, and you're probably licking your chops if you're a linebacker and you see Patrick Mahomes kind of hobbling toward you. But you're right. If I'm the Eagles and I'm Jonathan Gannon, aren't you daring him to beat you with his legs? Not that he's a guy that, that would necessarily run for 75 or 100 yards, but if I'm them, I'm daring him. To, to pass the line of scrimmage and, and try to make it downfield. Yeah, I say go for it. It's one of the things I'm watching for. What to watch for is sponsored by Xfinity Mobile. Xfinity Mobile, the sponsor of WIP's Xfinity Mobile Lounge, a different kind of mobile network designed to save you money. Gary is in Whitehall. Gary's on WIP. Hey, Gary. Hey, what's going on, Joe? Hey, Gary, what's up tonight? Oh, I'm just saying, I'm just saying that 12-day anticipation. Uh, it's going to be a... Uh, it's going to be no free agents. Uh, I just can't wait. And I, I am so I am so an envy of you right now. So uh, I just heard you say that you're heading out there. Yeah, I'm going to be there next week. Um, yeah, so I'll be on, on the air from Radio Row uh, each night. So it's, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, and, and I tell you what, it, it's going to be one crazy weekend because you got this. I know. Yep. And if you if you want something to go see, Joe, get if you can get there. It's 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 a bomb. I mean, heck, that just that one four three, the sixteenth hole. They got sixty thousand plus seats just at one hole. That it's a I know the the, the uh, it's going to be a crazy city next week, Gary. With with that going on, with the Super Bowl going on, it's going to be a lot going on next week. They, they say they draw over 200,000 people just on Saturday alone at, at the golf tournament. Wow. So, and I, I highly recommend to any Eagle fans that is going to make the travel to the Super Bowl, go over there and watch that golf tournament. Have a blast, party it up, and get all ready to go for Sunday because uh, I think we're going to take big red down. I honestly do. I think this is our year, and uh, – all this uh, negative disrespect that the Eagles got all year long, let's turn that into some positive uh, motivation and, and, and kick Andy Reid back to Kansas City with, a, with some barbecue in his mouth. Well, you know, he'll, he'll be having the barbecue either way, Gary. Gary, I appreciate the phone call. I mean, Andy's going to eat either way. That's When do you think Andy's going to start making the food jokes over the next two weeks? It's always his default whenever he's, he's in a public setting. Food, he'll say he misses the uh, cheesesteaks. He steaks. did yesterday. I think the first question in his press conference yesterday was, did you have a cheeseburger to celebrate? He said yes. I mean, you didn't need to tell me what his answer was. Yeah, I'm, do you think at some point this week, or media day, this feels like a media day thing, he'll be asked which food deep down in your heart do you like the most? Cheesesteaks, Philadelphia food, or barbecue from Kansas City? It, it feels almost almost too easy of a question not I would be, to be disappointed asked. if he wasn't. And what do you think his answer would be? I, I would guess deep down he likes the barbecue better. I'm sure he would say that. I mean, like over under how many questions in his first press conference till we get that one? Like two and a half? Well, yeah, when they let anybody in over there, right? Because you get the people who we are used to asking questions. Yeah, like media night or whatever that was that Tuesday night. Yeah, and then, you know, then you get people who just come for off-the-wall questions for their nightly news reporter or wherever city they're coming from. I always wonder those people, like, is the plan just to go there and ask the most ridiculous question? Because they're they're not they're there for a different reason than we're there, right? They don't have they don't care about the, the matchup. They're there to just, I don't know what they're there for. I don't know. They're there to get stuff for TikTok. 
Maybe that's the mystery behind it all. You want TikTok? Something we don't get. I am not. I, 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 sometimes you see someone takes a TikTok video and puts it on a different platform. Yeah, like I'll see it on Twitter or Instagram. Right. I've or like seen. Mary will send me a lot of stuff from TikTok and begs me to download the app, but I don't, I don't need something else to stare at for a couple hours a day. <laughs> I stare at enough nonsense for a couple hours. All right. Coming up next, uh, not nonsense, but good, good old-fashioned sports talk radio, we have Jody Mack. Coming up next, he'll take you through the rest of the night. Back tomorrow night at 6. A lot to discuss as we head towards Super Bowl 57 on Sports Radio 94 WIP.